Oh, I got my laundry to get too. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I left my laundry in the dryer. Oh man, community woes. Well, hey man, it's been a while, bro. What's up? Not much. Yeah, we haven't recorded in a long time. Well, at least it feels that way for me. It does, does kind of feel that way for way. you. Yeah, I think it's mostly the beginning of the semester. There's been a lot going on. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and this. So I think I've mentioned before that I work at a parish at a church, mm-hmm. doing Christian initiation. And so the beginning of Lent, as you can imagine, is kind of a big season for people wanting to become Catholic. Right. A lot of scrutiny. It's, and it's a big deal. Yeah, things. absolutely. So I've been busy doing that and class stuff. Well, hold on. But Lent is super early this year. So that's sort of put everything at the same time, like school is beginning and yeah. all the scrutinies and stuff. Yeah. And you know what the best part is? Uh, what is the best part? That uh, Holy Week is the same week as spring break. Yay! <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why? Why is that not okay? Isn't that ideal? Well, so it's good in the sense that I get the week to spend at the parish and be there to help out and do church stuff. So in that sense, it's good. And I get a lot of time to dedicate just to that. Mm-hmm. It's not good in the sense that I don't really get a spring break. Because I'm still working. Oh, I see. I see. Because you can't leave the parish. Yeah. Uh, during during Holy Week, I get it. I get it. Um, do you know when my spring break is? Tell me. Now. My spring break is <laughs> next week. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, why didn't we just record then? <laughs> well, I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be visiting Montreal next week. Oh. Um, for a couple days. So we have class this week, but then beginning. Sunday next week, it's all uh, what we call reading week. Yeah, we call it that too. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to be in Montreal for a couple of days. And so our normally scheduled recording time, I would have been on the road, mm-hmm. which works just fine because I'm completely mobile now, as yeah. we will talk about. Um, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> spoiler, though. Uh, but the thing is, we've been six weeks in school already, and you've only been in school for like, what, a, a week? <laughs> we are starting week three. Yeah, we're a good three weeks ahead of you, man. Yeah, but we also go like a month longer than you do. Why? So how many weeks do you guys actually have in the semester? I have no idea. Like 12, something like that. Yeah, same with us. Same with us. Hmm. So how have classes been? Really good. I'm really excited about this semester. I have a class all about the Holy Spirit. Nice. Pneumatology. Yeah, it's pretty, it's mm-hmm. pretty cool so far. I have a class looking at some Eastern Christian liturgies. Nice. So some fun Byzantine stuff. Is it a practical class or is it like a theoretical class? It's a, it's a historical sort of overview. Okay, I see. There is one of the cool things about it is we're required to visit some Eastern churches. So I'm going to go, since I've been doing a lot of stuff with the Byzantine church already, I'm going to go look at some Coptic churches, go pray with some Orthodox Copts. Wow. Yeah, it should be fun. Are there no Catholics? No Orthodox? No. Sorry, some Coptic Catholics? No, nearby? just the Orthodox. It's basically the same. They just say they like the Pope or the Catholic side. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, no, that's cool. What else are you taking? Uh, class on Marian art. Nice. Which also should be pretty cool. And finally, I'm doing a, a class called Sacrament, a sacramental theology class called Sacraments in the Latino Context. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So it's is that your sacrament sacramental theology class? Is that it? Or is no, this a supplement? It's a supplement. I've Looking at my classes, I've kind of focused on liturgy and sacraments. So I've taken a lot, way more than required for all of that stuff. I see. Uh, which is I see. not a bad thing. We're kind of encouraged to specialize. So sort of my unofficial specialization. Yeah, I've done no sacraments or liturgy classes. Really? Since I've been here. I mean, I've only been here a semester. Um, and my classes so far have been really good, but there's just been a lot of requirements. Yeah, yeah, that first year is all about getting getting those out of the way. Yeah, there's just a ton of requirements to get done. Um, no, but this semester, it's going to be really good. I have most of my classes I really enjoy. It's just, I will say, one of the things that is very taxing on me is the the perpetual, like, beginning again of, like, being in a new introductory <laughs> class. Yeah. It's like every class is, like, foundations of some sort yeah. or introduction of some sort and that can get really tiresome yep. um 
where it's like, sure, I've never taken the class in canon law, and so I'm in an intro to canon law class now, but just the fact that it's an intro class, mm -hmm. it's taught in a certain way, and that affects my morale because it's all, it almost seems like you can't get anything off the ground because <laughs> everything is always beginning again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I'm in intro to canon law. That's okay. Um, I'm in a class on medical ethics, which is okay. Hmm. Um, I do like medical ethics a lot or healthcare ethics um, in general, but the course itself is a little bit tough, and I think not tough in an academic way, but just tough in like trying on my patients a little bit. Yeah, um, I took that in philosophy. How is it? How is, how is it different from a philosophy class? Uh, it really isn't. Uh, <laughs> it's basically a philosophy class. Um, but I think part of the problem that I face, and it's difficult for me, just because this could easily sound like me being arrogant, is this: I, I've taught this material to high schoolers before, yeah, yeah, um, and it's it's taught also kind of at a level that presumes ignorance, yep. and that's really frustrating. Yep. Uh, when not only do I know this, I also have taught it, and it becomes very frustrating. Um. Uh, to go day day in and day out to class. Yeah. Um, but we make the best of it. Yeah. You know. Um. So I'm in that, and then I'm also two more classes. I'm in a human sexuality class, uh, which is good. It's sort of a prereq for confession huh. that you need to take. Um, huh. Interesting. We have a we have a bunch of prereqs that you guys I don't think have yeah. for our confession class. Yeah. So like before I can take confession, I have to take intro to canon law. Huh. I have to take Catholic social teaching. I have to take human sexuality. I have to take um healthcare ethics and i had to take foundations and ethics wow that is a lot we have we have one well we've got a foundations of catholic morality and um catholic social teaching as a as a foundations class but i don't as prereqs for confession well i guess they would be because it's usually the second and third year guys that take the confession class they do it on a two-year cycle so you're oh, going to have those classes before that mm -hmm. but they do want us to have a liturgical theology class before we do um celebration learn how to be a priest yeah yeah see that's one thing that you guys have over us we don't have a liturgy class ah. um all we have is a presiding class yeah um well it's cool i mean the prereqs for confession i think are all really great and I think it's kind of interesting that we have a canon law class as a prereq yeah. for... Well, that um, stuff comes up. We spend a lot of time talking about canons in our confession class. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, so we have a human sexuality class. And then my last class is an elective that I'm taking. Um, and it's on the theology of uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar. Ooh. Um, which is really interesting for me just because I've never read anything by him. And he is one of these characters that can, in the history of... 20th century Catholic theology is pretty divisive. It seems like <laughs> yeah. people either really love him or really hate him. Yep. And um, I find myself kind of at a loss in those conversations just because I've never read him before. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like regardless, he seems to be very important. Yeah. And so uh, I'm taking a whole class just on him, huh. which is which is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, it's intense, though. We do a lot of reading. We basically read like 150 pages a week for that class. Whoa. Yeah, which is too much. Too much. So good. I'm glad you're liking your classes, though. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this semester. I think it'll be a good one. Sounds like you've got a good one, too. Yes, it's good. I mean, I'm halfway through it. So for me, I'm kind of hitting that <laughs> midterm yeah. that midterm grind yeah. a little bit, um, which is okay. Like my human sexuality class, it's a it's a five Saturday class. Yeah. Um, so I don't meet every day, every week. We only meet five times, but the Saturdays are from nine to three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those can be kind of a grind too. So we had one of those yesterday, so I'm kind of still recovering from that. I haven't had much of a weekend. Yeah. Well, there's time. It is what it is. There's time. Yeah. There's always time later. Well, this is why I, I have <laughs> spring break in a week. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is not during Holy Week. So you get to actually do stuff. That's true. And now that I'm in a parish, I actually will look forward to Holy Week to go do some stuff. Yeah. Very cool. I have a couple of follow-up questions for you from our last episode. Oh, good. Um, basically saying I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you made me doubt myself, and I don't appreciate that. <clears throat> <laughs> what are we talking about? Charlotte's Web. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. so We had some listener feedback. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the listener was sick, what, four years old? Yeah, he's three or four years old. <laughs> <laughs> and he's better than anybody to tell us about Charlotte's Web. 
he probably just read it <laughs> or had it read to him. He's probably not able to read yet. It might be appropriate for us to shout him out. Shout out to our listener who gave us some good feedback on Charlotte's Web. Yeah, he basically gave us the rundown of Charlotte's Web. Uh-huh. Which effectively lines up to what I said, and you doubted me. Okay, well, I apologize for doubting you, but, you know, juvenile literature is not my forte. <laughs> okay. This is a formative book. Is it? Yeah. It apparently didn't form me, I guess. I guess not. I remember watching the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. I think I watched it in mm-hmm. school, even. Uh, Well, good. That's good. Any other feedback from uh, last time? Well, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about, um, but... I'm interested in this something you wrote here on our little document. What did what did you want to talk about with this stress follow up? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so I have come to some realization. So a, f- a few episodes ago, we talked a lot about stress, and ironically, in that episode, you and I, I think we're both going through a lot of stress. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at the time. Affirmative. Uh, and so it was just sort of an interesting meta conversation. Um, and the semester ended, and I was sort of at peace uh kind of going through some withdrawal from the stress of the semester during winter break and then school started again and there was a rush of surge with stress um and that sort of has tapered off Mm -hmm. and i've been thinking a lot about stress in that regard and i've come to some realization and that realization is uh that there are some like the moments that i feel most stress i have realized is the moments when i have something due which is obvious enough yeah um and being able to isolate those things is incredibly important that I have like a paper assignment that's due tomorrow and that's usually what's calling me stress and causing me a lot of stress. So I found out for myself, at least in my experience is being able to quickly isolate what is the thing that's causing me the stress and executing it as soon as possible is the only way for me to alleviate stress. Hmm. Um, and the, the follow-up to that. So, so like an example of that would be, okay, I have a paper that was due yesterday for my human sexuality class uh-huh. and it was Friday and I was like, man, I'm just feeling kind of generally anxious. Um, and I know I have some reading to do. I know I have a writing assignment to do, but just sort of general anxiety. And I remembered this, this insight and I said, you know, before I do any of the reading, let me just go ahead and do the assignment mm. because the assignment doesn't require the reading, but it just, it has to be turned in tomorrow. And if I can get that done, It'll immediately change everything, and it did. So I finished the writing assignment, and the rest of the day, I was like, oh, I have reading to do, and I'll, <laughs> I'll do as much of it as I can. Yeah. You know, I won't feel, because it's not as important, but because the writing assignment was still undone, everything went to a fever pitch, because mm. um, it was the one thing that was causing me the most anxiety, and it was the one thing that had to be turned in. So that's the first point about stress that I wanted to follow up on, is that how do I make sure that I have insight into what is the particular thing that is most immediately requiring my attention because that's usually the thing that's going to spike my my stress and often that goes unknown of what the thing yeah. is that's causing me the stress um do you have anything you want to say about that it's just it's just a matter of like focusing in there's one more point but i want to see if you yeah no about. definitely that's that really rings true for me as well i've got um so this semester i've got more than one class that's requiring a weekly like um like a weekly paper Um, like a 300 word kind of a deal and I find those to be really difficult they're short they're based on what we just read Mm -hmm. but the fact that maybe it's uh, well I assume that it's mostly mental like I know that this thing is due every week and so it's just kind of they're looming and I oftentimes wait until the very last minute to do it Mm-hmm. And so as you're explaining this, uh, your experience, I'm like, yeah, you know, I really should do these as soon as possible just to get them okay, out of the yeah. way and yeah. just to do and, it. Yes. And there's there's just something about it that it's just so common sense that the things that are on your plate are going to cause you stress. But the thing is, is that they, they ride under the radar yeah. um, because I'm not fully aware of what things on my to-do list are causing me the most stress. Yeah. And it usually ends up being the thing that I have to turn in. And until until that thing is completed, I find myself generally unaware of what's causing me anxiety. And so everything becomes a source of anxiety. How, um, how do you, um, how do you distinguish between tasks and activities that require more mental uh, brain power, whatever you call that? 
just attention like uh yeah. what things that require more attention yeah like my these these um little reflections that i have to do they don't really require all that much but they create a lot of stress when i let them go yeah so i'm wondering like how mm. how do you rank tasks yeah no, that's a good question i i have never successfully used task managers with like different hierarchies of priority yeah because to really... do has that you know like those three yeah. little bars that doesn't matter that doesn't do anything i never use me. it <laughs> um yeah to me it doesn't do anything like i kind of I, I just approach everything kind of like with equal weight um which i think is what causes a lot of anxiety is that yeah. nothing is is nothing is put into a particular category of what causes the most stress and mathematically i guess i could figure it out like this reflection assignment is one eighth of 20% of my overall grade, so it's way less important than the 50% research paper that I have to do by the end of the term. Yeah. And so I can know that intellectually, but it's still a thing to turn yeah. in. Um, so I think I maybe have like a very unsophisticated hierarchy within my my just understanding of school. Nothing is ever written down or systematized. So in this way, I have nothing system systematized for for schoolwork, everything is sort of on the same level. So like a one-week research uh, reflection paper is kind of on the same level as that eventual research paper I have to write. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate, but I, I think there has to be something about like, how can I get better at recognizing the urgency of a particular task? Um, it tends to be for me that the things that have to be turned in are obviously the things that end up causing me more anxiety. Right. More so than even the reading. Like reading causes me anxiety, but the turning in stuff is what ends up causing the most. Yeah. Probably. Do you have a way of distinguishing those things? Not really. I'm kind of the same way. I just, I populate my task manager and it, it it's kind of with exceptions, obviously, you know, you want to get started on papers a little bit earlier, but um, it's kind of a do it as it comes up model, mm -hmm. which, so I guess for my own example, like if this reflection isn't due until Thursday at Thursday night at 11:55 p.m. Well, I'm probably gonna wait till Thursday night, whereas I could get it out of the way a lot sooner than that. Okay, yeah. Th this gets to my second point, which is the 24-hour expiration date. Um, this is an idea that I I like to think about, um, and the best example I can give you is this podcast uh, as an example. Um, this one, and maybe you can help. Yes, that we're yeah. doing, and the one that we're currently doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And maybe you can give me a way of connecting this to school um, and more broadly. But at least with this, here's my, my thought is tasks that I have to do, like edit this podcast, yeah. for example. Um, the moment that you and I stop recording, a clock countdown starts. Yes. And if I do not do any of the editing within a 24-hour period, I might as well take two weeks. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So if I if I if I don't like I don't have to necessarily complete it yeah. within the 24 hours, but if there's no engagement with it whatsoever yeah. within the first 24 hours, I kind of feel like there's an expiration date there on my sanity where then it starts to accumulate stress. Like stress starts to accumulate after a 24-hour window has closed on the thing having been engaged with. Because if I engage with it within a 24-hour period, then I have a better sense of how to manage it. But if I just press stop and export and then set it aside and don't look at it, I'm going to wait until I look at it and it'll be four days from now, five days from now, and it's going to loom in my imagination. Yeah. Ooh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, help me help me out. I got No, I've got that too. And I think this rings very true for me just in the process of writing a paper. I find starting the thing to be the most difficult part. Hmm. Like, I'll sit down and do my reading, I'll, I'll even, you know, make some notes and try to get some ideas together. But if I don't actually start writing the damn thing, then mm -hmm. it's just gonna, I'm gonna keep put, putting it off, putting it off. Like, I find that to be the most difficult part. Right, um, right, beginning something, yeah, yeah. But then once it, once I start it, then it's fine, you know, mm -hmm. it all kind of falls into place, but it's that, it's that initial step. The first step's the hardest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's true. And I guess I, I like to think about it in terms of this this sort of window of time or time that, like, the stress relative to time yeah. 
becomes like exponentially worse as days go on. Right. You know, so like I, and this is common sense, I guess, right? But like in the first day, if I could just do anything for the show, yeah. do anything for the editing. And it doesn't have to be good or permanent or anything like that. It just has to be something. Some engagement, like some engagement with it. Then it starts to become something that I've actually, you know, I, I've, I've put flesh on the, on the task. Yeah. The task is no longer a bullet point on my to-do that says uh, edit, episode, whatever. It's now, okay, I have some sense of what editing, episode, whatever is going to entail so I can be more in control of my anxiety. Yeah. Um, because it, it's no longer just this nebulous thing. So even like on my to-do list right now, I have, you know, due in May uh, or whatever, a research paper for my right. healthcare ethics class. Right. Like until I get some sense of what that means, it's only going to cause me more you, and more yeah. well, I think, anxiety. I think you hit the nail on the head just a minute, just a second ago. These things can tend to control us. Mm -hmm. And that's been something that we've brought up a couple of times. You know, the whole point of the show are we letting the other things control us and become the ends, or are we using them for our, for our sake, for the sake mm -hmm. of something else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, it's just it's just a case in point that maybe with with school in particular, like I am not on top of everything all the time. And then things start, like you're saying, to legislate over me. Right. And the problem is, is that I'm not, I'm not so in control of my feelings to where I even, I don't even know exactly what's causing me the anxiety sometimes. Yeah. Like there's, there's no sense, which is why I'm saying like, if I can start, if I know there's a task to be done and I can start it within a 24 hour period, yeah. then I start knowing what's causing me anxiety. Um, because just putting it on a to-do list is sufficient for me to have insight into what is maybe causing me anxiety but until i like actually start engaging with the thing you know you you see the monster and once you see the monster the movie is no longer scary right no that's like, a good point yeah no i like that 24 hours i'm gonna start using that so but i mean the, the challenge there is going to be like okay uh i mean if i want to go completely extreme on this it would be like okay so tomorrow i have healthcare ethics let's say and there's an assignment due next week in healthcare ethics that, that he assigns tomorrow. And I need to do something for that within the first 24 yep. hours if it's not going to cause me as much anxiety as it ends up causing me. And of course, this is not going to work long term for everything, mm -hmm. but as, especially with a bigger task like exporting a podcast and editing it, yeah. I find that if, if I don't touch it for the first day, then you will you will hear hear from me in a week and a half. Yeah. You know, and I think that's just true to form, you know, with the way that these things work. Yeah, I think um, even the way we think about it, like if you let's say you do something, whatever that is, something within 24 hours, like you're talking about. OK, well, a few days later, what are you going to say to yourself? Oh, I need to finish that thing that I already started rather than mm -hmm. I need to start that thing that I should have done earlier. Right. Right. No, exactly. Especially once you do start it, you have a better sense of how long it's going to take you to finish. Yep. So then you can better manage your time yep. and say, now I can put it down and come back to it three days from now. Yeah. Because I know I won't need the full week right. to get through it, you know? Right. Um, but this takes discipline, bro, and I just don't. Yeah, yeah, that's what we got to build, develop. Uh, so you recently were in San Antonio. I was. Can you uh, let me know what, what, what was that about? <laughs> well, do we really need a reason to go back to the motherland? Ah, uh, San Antonio, the motherland. Well, Texas. Uh, oh! San Antonio is close enough. <laughs> and it was pretty glorious to be back in, in Texas. Just for oh, a little... How many tacos did you eat? Lots. How many tacos did you eat? Lots. <laughs> oh man! Did you go back to that? Uh, did you go back to that taco stand, taco restaurant that we went to? No, I thought about it though. Oh, the problem. So, so I was helping out with this retreat called Hearts on Fire, mm -hmm. uh, and there just wasn't a lot of time to go out and have fun in the city because mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. were pretty swamped the whole day, all the every day that we were there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was really great. It was great to reconnect with a lot of those guys. Um, we had guys fly in from Indian Reservation, from 
Well, you were from Berkeley. There's a guy from Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, Berkeley, uh, Rosebud Indian Reservation, and mm-hmm. Creighton in Nebraska, Omaha. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, to get to see those guys and talk about some cool Ignatian stuff. My talk was on Christ the King, which is one of my favorite topics. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. It How was many cool. uh, retreatants were on the retreat? There were about 80 young adults. Thereabouts. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That was great. Did they have a good experience? I think so. I think so. I made a few plugs for the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get a few. If any of you San Antonio <laughs> listeners are listening right now, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Our one listener in San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Yeah. No, that's fine. No, that's good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, any big takeaways from there? Well, <laughs> There's something really funny that happened while I was there. Oh yeah. Okay. I and you you made a uh, you made an observation that's not coming to mind. People are so afraid of technology. Let me tell you. Oh yes, yes, yes. So, yes, please share so, this story. Yeah. So most all of us for our presentations <laughs> had slideshows. Mm-hmm. Uh. You notice I don't even call it PowerPoint because I don't use PowerPoint. I made a slide. I made a slideshow. Well, it's like Kleenex and Xerox, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, it's uh, yeah, kind of become so. synonymous with slideshow, right? I guess so. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of us have these slideshows. Okay. Now the other thing that you have to keep in mind while I'm telling the story is the Wi-Fi there is really bad. Like really bad you guys were in the church we were in the parish hall so like okay just right behind the yeah church. yeah um it would kind of come go on and off you know come in and out uh i lost so much battery life those days because my phone was constantly trying to connect uh, mm. which is a whole different rant uh, but anyway so in order to kind of help with that you know spotty wi-fi issue the retreat organizer has a presentation basically a presentation laptop that's always connected to the projector okay so you have all the things on one in one place so you don't have to worry about you know streaming connecting disconnecting all that stuff all that stuff which is a really great idea, and I'm glad that they do that. Oh, oh, like even even videos you're going to show are yeah. there. Yeah, you yeah. Have to worry about YouTube. Yep, it's all it's all there. It. So that's and that's Got great. It. You know, if you can, the more you centralize things, the better. Okay. And also, the more that you don't have to depend on the possibility of signal. Yes. Like Wi-Fi signal. Yes. Now here's the problem, David. Uh huh. It's a PC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you? <laughs> Have you ever tried to export a Keynote presentation to PowerPoint? Um, I've never used Keynote, so what? I've I've never used PowerPoint either, so I don't use I don't like slideshows. Yeah. I hate slideshows actually. Yeah. Um, my slideshows are just pictures, are... basically. <laughs> yeah, I used I used them when I did Hearts on Fire in DC a couple years ago, um, and it was basically just pictures yeah. as well. Uh, like one of them was a picture of my nephew just because I thought he was really cute and I wanted to put a picture of him up there. Um, but to your point, I have tried to export from pages to Word. It's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> Formatting gets thrown off. Fonts change. You know, the thing that you carefully crafted is torn to pieces. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Before you finish the story, so why don't you just export your keynote to a PDF and then just show the PDF? Were there animations? No, it was basically no real reason. I just so okay. <laughs> Did I just give you the solution you didn't think of? No, no, no. I thought about doing that. Um, oh, okay. I figured that would be an even more that would be even more of a train wreck than what I actually decided to do. Oh, okay. So, let me paint a picture for you. Mm. We're in a little meeting, and I announce, well, I ask, 
if the connector from the laptop to this to the projector is a VGA cable. And of course nobody has any idea what that is. I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. I was just wondering so I could, you know, plug in my iPad or my phone or something. You have a VGA adapter to Lightning? Yes. I have my own okay. VGA adapter and this is how I do presentations almost every week. It's just easy. You unplug the thing, plug it in, and it works. I even saved, mm -hmm. this is a sort of a footnote, I even saved one of my classes last week. The the laptop that's connected to the, like, the, it's not a smart board, but it's, you know, these integrated projectors and sound and mm -hmm. a million buttons on this podium, and nothing was right. working. So I, right. I raised my hand, I was like, I can fix that for you. Just unplug <laughs> it and let me plug in my iPad to play a video. And it worked. It was so, it was it so easy. Yeah, it was so easy. Anyway, yeah. that's basically yeah, yeah. what I wanted to do. Just plug in my iPad and play. Now, is it going to be that easy? No, because people don't understand technology. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. So there were wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, <laughs> you know, the Wi-Fi is bad. I don't want to worry about connecting and reconnecting and things change, blah, blah, blah. And it became a way bigger thing than I was expecting. So, so they didn't let you do it? Well, I told them that I was not going to do that. Maybe I shouldn't confess this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it because it really wasn't that big of a deal. Uh -huh. um, I, I gave my presentation using my phone, Keynote on my phone. Super easy. I don't even know if anybody noticed. So, um, Kino, how'd you do it? So, what was connected to the projector? Your iPad? My phone. My iPhone. How did you control the slides? I just touched. Oh, well, and see, that's the part that I didn't really want to worry about setting up. You can set, and I do this a lot, and it's really cool. You can set your phone or your iPad to be a remote for your phone or your yes. iPad. I think you can do it with your watch, too. Really? Oh, man. I think so. I think so. Don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's super convenient, and I'm pretty sure that will work over Wi-Fi. But it was it, that was that was taking a step too far that I didn't really want to deal with at that time. Uh, right, right, right. Because right, right. it would it's just easier for me to stand there and, and control it using my phone. Mm -hmm. So I just did that, and it was super easy, and it worked, and I don't think anybody noticed, and I just kind of laughed like. I guess I was kind of being a little high maintenance, you know, wanting to do my own thing. But it wasn't an issue. Yeah. Like, I knew what I was doing. And nobody was inconvenienced. Right. And there's sort of a meta thing going on here is that because you knew what you were doing, no one wanted to trust you because everyone is used to people not knowing what they're doing. Yeah. So, no, that's true. That's, that's fair. <laughs> so, well, but the thing is, is that that's kind of your point, is that people fear technology and it becomes this compounding problem because the moment someone shows up that knows what they're doing, no one wants to trust them because we all know that no one knows what they're doing. So <laughs> there's this, it's this inevitable compounding problem that no one ever can learn because no one trusts anybody that says that they know what they're doing. Uh -huh. um, so two, so two, <laughs> two thoughts uh, come into my head here. Um, one is uh, about, okay, so I, I want to I say that I think a lot of people who are like that and are sort of nervous about the tech there's something that happens where maybe maybe more generally this happens with people who are like prone to disaster but maybe in specific <laughs> terms with technology where it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah where like it's like oh no the technology we don't want to mess with it because it might mess up it might not work and then they just go near the thing and it breaks down <laughs> And, it, and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, <laughs> then they can just point to it and say, see, yeah. see, I told you. It's like, I think the problem here is you. Yeah. I think that you, you yeah. might be the problem is that when you approach the keyboard, you just smash it. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is that you're doing, but, but it's not. <laughs> there's, there's Why no is this thing mess, breaking right? when I hit it with a hammer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the pictures were inside the computer. <laughs> All right, Zoolander. Oh, man. So that's my first point. My second point, and uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but I think maybe to defend the Luddite and to defend the people who are not really great instinctively with technology, I would say that I have a similar hang-up when it comes to something that is also incredibly important, 
um, and also opaque <laughs> to me, uh, and that is the economy. So I, I, I establish as an analogy that people who are, as you're describing, afraid of tech would often describe it as sort of like maybe a necessary evil or yeah. you know, a thing that I'm not really good at, but I have to use, but I don't really want to learn too much about it because at the end of the day, there are people who do that professionally, I guess, and I'll just use it when I need it. That's how I behave with the economy. So mm. like, I, I use it when I need it. You know, I go and I buy things. I go and I sell things. But ask me two things about what the economy actually is, what it actually does, yeah. how it functions. And I have nothing to say to you. Nothing to say to you. Uh, and frankly, do I care? Maybe out of like curiosity, yeah. maybe, but like really no. And it just was a helpful like touchstone to be like, that's how I think some of our friends might think of yeah. technology is in that respect. No, that's fair. I actually had a similar conversation with somebody recently where, and I don't know where this came from on my part, how it even came up in conversation, but I was like, you know this whole insurance thing that we have? Hmm. I don't really get it. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, we pay so much money. So we're paying like three different people to do one thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas if doctors just <laughs> charged people a reasonable fee that they would be able to just pay it. Yeah. So it seems like insurance is allowing doctors to, to charge whatever they want. Mm, I see. I see. So it's like, why uh... don't we just set something to say i mean like what what other what other um work field would is able to do that uh pay pay based on insurance like that no to be able to charge a fee for something that nobody can pay without help oh i see i see yeah, frankly, I'm out of my depth already because I don't know anything about this. Like, I, I have, yeah, you know, well, I've never really adult adulted in this way. Right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, so am I. I, I'm. There's probably a very good reason why these things happen, but like mm -hmm. to to the untrained eye, it just seems kind of ridiculous. Right. You, well, that's how people so think many about us. With <laughs> going to debt, education is the same way. Yeah, like, all of true. this debt is incredible. Right, and we've got right. this thing called insurance that's supposed to help with it, but we still have to pay for or it. Or scholarship, or scholarship, yeah. right? That's the, the analogy of scholarships. Yeah, it's so um, bizarre. Yeah, I I don't think it's bizarre just because I, like you said, I think I want to assume that there's reason that this is the way that it is. Um, I hope so. So maybe, <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so doctors and insurance, okay, that's one thing. Banks and mortgages, that's another yeah. one. Yeah. Um, you know, scholarships and education. Yeah. Um. You know, and if you were trying to reset it to zero and say, let's think about school, that might be the one that I know yeah. the most about. Um, of the three, it's like, okay, well, I want to go to school X, all right? School X has operation costs, and those operation costs are going to exceed the amount of money that the individual students are going to have. So there has to be ways in which those students get money outside. And the operation costs are real things, right? Like, you have to pay for water, you have to pay for teachers, you have to pay for electricity, you have to pay for buildings. That's real money. That's real cost. Um, yeah. And it has to come from somewhere. So either it's going to come from the government or it's going to come from the payer. And something's got to give. And the same thing is true with medicine. It's either going to come from the payer or it's going to come from the government. Yeah. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I mean, because the payer is still paying into his insurance plan. Yeah. Right. It's not free. So there is money going into it, but it's just, it's it's on a certain level of filtration with the insurance company, is my understanding. Yeah. Um, I I don't get it, but all I wanted to do is bring this up just to say, <laughs> this is this the kind of confounded nature of your and my perspective here yeah. is exactly what your yeah your friends no, at, in San Antonio <laughs> were experiencing yeah, no, with that's you. Fair. <laughs> so I think it's just it's a it's a call to a little bit of patience maybe or or humility yeah. there. Yeah. Um. No, no, I'll that's good. That. Uh, I, I do want to learn a lot of, more about the economy, mostly because I think eventually I need to be able to say more intelligent yeah. things. But um, I will say something about medicine really quick, just as a side note. You're in medical ethics. I am. And one thing that came up the other day was really great that I like to think about, which is um, 
the, just the question as to whether or not uh, doctors should be private, like private employers and private uh-huh. workers. Uh-huh. Um, in other words, it's a big debate about like should medicine be um, a commodity? Should healthcare be a commodity that's sold on the market effectively? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's a debate apparently within the medical profession, mm. right? And within the ethics profession, is to see you know are doctors more like car salesmen or are doctors more like police officers? Yeah. Which which side of the spectrum mm. are they most on? Public servants that get paid to do a, a task with a minimal fee for like like a stipend effectively? Yeah. Or are they more like private entrepreneurs who are selling a product to purchasing customers and i think it's a fascinating question because i have instinctively desired for the medical profession to lean more towards the side of police officer which is public servant not interested in the money the money's not even that good but do it because they have a love for this thing and a a skill for this yeah um whereas i don't know maybe there are some people who go to med school because they're thinking about it more as like used car salesmen like i want to make a ton of money and I want to do it as efficiently as possible. Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I, I would agree with you. And I, I, I want to hope that most people, I don't know if you could make it to, through med school. All you want to do is make a lot of money. Maybe mm. you can. I'm sure that people do. Yeah. I think for me though, I'm still going back to this, to the other person side of the equation. Like I read this article a couple of months ago about these, uh, have you heard about these Amazon drivers that are like, uh, like freelance delivery people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was talking to a friend of mine about it the other day. And it's just, you, you show, you, you work on your own, you deliver, you like take a bunch of packages and deliver them and you get paid for it. Yeah. And you're, it's not like having a job. So you don't get any insurance. You don't get any of that stuff. You just get money. Right. This is what happened with Uber, I think, for a long time. Really? And then they, like, unionized, I think. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, like, it used to be the case years ago that people could just have a good job or just have a job. It didn't even have to be a good job. And you made a living wage. (laughs) Hmm. And now you've got a lot of people working, like, three or four jobs because a single one of them does not pay a living wage. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, yeah, and I don't really get how that has happened. Okay, well, I can say a few things. One is there's two sides of this, and one is uh, do people not make enough money to live, or do people not make enough money to live as they want? That's fair. That's fair. I think, yeah, the over, what would you even call that? Like the over, uh, well, people living outside of their means, I guess is what you would call it, but. Yeah, I mean, there, maybe the problem is a is a less financial problem and more of a cultural problem or a personal problem. Yeah, we've we've got sort of a middle class culture. Yeah, and you know, if everybody has an iPhone, upper middle class even. Yeah, it's like okay, our iPhones are not normal things to have, I guess. Uh, and you know, if you have to work three jobs to be able to afford your iPhone, yeah, and if just in your own imagination and your own estimation about like quality of life if your baseline is outside of your salary then you're gonna have to make concessions and get another job yeah um the the real injustice obviously i think comes when people can't even live within an a base understanding of like human dignity because they make so little relative to how much food costs how much water costs how much electricity costs etc 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 yeah um and then it becomes a matter of justice. But I think there's a more of a like a cultural criticism when we start thinking in terms of, you know, I want to make a living at this tax bracket because I want to have a certain lifestyle. And that lifestyle is something that goes unchallenged. Right. Right. Instead of saying maybe you shouldn't want to live a life like that, people just naturally think if I work hard enough, I will work. I will live like that. Yeah, man. There it is. You shouldn't. We Maybe you shouldn't want to live that way. Hmm. How do you how do you even come to that though? Like that's so outside of the realm of uh of expectation in our society right now. 
Like yeah. we just well, we just assume so that we get Jesus. everything. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just I'm just this is my I'm looking at a crucifix right now in my yeah. room and I'm like thinking to myself, well, this is exactly the whole point of the incarnation is like yeah. stop living this way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you're you're not supposed to live this way. <laughs> it's not good for you. Uh right, there's another way. Yeah. Uh right? And it took something as dramatic as the resurrection yeah. and the incarnation to shock the world, right? Bishop Barron has this great image of, you know, in the crucifixion, the gospels relate that, you know, when Jesus was crucified, the world the earth yeah, shook, yeah. right? There was, there was an earthquake, and Bishop Barron really takes that and runs with it. Like, this is something different that's happening here that shakes yep. reality to its core. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, not to get preachy, but it's just like, it's a similar thing with our role in the world is how much of our responsibility is it to call people to a certain mm. kind of conversion, um, of way of seeing the world, a way of seeing their life, a way of seeing their lifestyle. Yeah. Um, that's hard, though. Yeah, and it, but it begins with you and me because yeah. you and I don't live our lives as we should. Yep. All of the time. Yep. So we need to be an example. No, that's true. You know, not only be an example, but we should also just be better Christians. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Do you remember that sh- that documentary, Supersize Me? Uh, yeah, I never saw it though. This guy ate McDonald's for like thirty days straight, and it almost mm-hmm. killed him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I remember one part of the documentary. He was like. Why do I keep eating this? Mm. And you know what his answer was? Be- no. Because it tastes good. Mm. And for a long time, I used that example as why? Why do we sin? You know, why do we keep wanting things that are bad for us? Because that apple tastes sweet, it bro. It tastes good. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. I mean, when I taught when I taught original sin uh, to my students, I often reminded them that you know there's a there's an estimation within. Eve and Adam's calculation. They're they're estimating the the pleasure value of the fruit, and they're judging for themselves that that will be good to eat. Uh, you know, they say this is the tree looked good for food, and so there's something about the person judging that which is good for themselves and feeding themselves as opposed to allowing God to decide what is for your good and allowing Him to feed you. Yeah. Um. Which is the point of distinction between between man before man after the fall and then man redeemed is that man redeemed is a person who looks to God to offer him the food that is, you know, the food for eternal life, not the food that he thinks is for his own good. Mm-hmm. That's all to say with sin we do the same thing. Yeah. We look we look at that which we we think is good for us and it ends up actually being for our demise. Yep. Yep. The glamour of evil, don't we say? Something like that. <laughs> Oh, man. There it is. How did we get on this topic? Yeah, there it is. Ooh. That's cool. So I've been losing weight. Ooh. Tell me. Remember I told you I was going to get on a carbless diet? Are you are you totally carbless? Um, I don't know what that means because <laughs> I don't actually know what a carb is. Um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> is a carb. A carb. It's like, what is a grit? Um, I don't eat bread. I don't eat pasta. Um, I don't eat rice. I don't eat corn. I don't eat potatoes. I don't eat any of those things. So starchy vegetables. I don't eat grains from rices or from flour. Um, I don't do any of that. Um that's all to say I'm not eating carbs. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think that there are other kinds of carbohydrates within vegetables. Just like carbohydrates yeah. exist within vegetables too. So um again, this is one of the things that I'm really out of my depth on, but <laughs> I'm operating out of a, a certain level Science. of like I, I I yeah, I know enough about it to be able to make life choices, but not enough about it to understand those choices. Yeah. Um <laughs> kind of like the economy. <laughs> um But carbs taste good, bro. Oh, they're so delicious. Um, okay, so yeah, so just to get back to it, I gave up carbs and I gave up sugar. Mm. Um, this is a version of like paleo that's called the keto diet, uh-huh. uh, which is, this is not an endorsement for it, but it's been certainly very effective for me. Um, and since I started, I have lost 25 pounds. Whoa. Yeah, that's like a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight. 
Um, oh. Well, actually, the one thing I wanted to bring up about this is not to belabor the point. Uh, I need to do that. Yeah, well, you do. Because <laughs> a year. <laughs> this is not why I wanted to bring it up, but now that you mention it, you really should. Yeah. You really should. Yeah. I saw a picture of you the other day, and man, mm, come on, bro. I know. You promised that you were going to start with jujitsu in. Yeah. <sighs> okay, we'll get to New Year's resolutions in a second. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say. Because this is a good segue with the question about sin and desire. Uh-huh. Um, here's one thing that I've realized. Maybe this is also just one of those subtle points I've noticed about myself is that I lost a ton of weight and then I started to plateau on my on my loss. I plateaued after like 20 pounds mm-hmm. and I was super frustrated about it and I plateaued for like two weeks. And the people with the keto diet, they, they say, this is going to happen. This will probably happen. And there are things that you can do to help after the fact. And the one thing I changed after the plateau, I plateaued for two weeks. I changed one thing, and then I immediately started losing weight again. Mm. And the thing that I changed is that I stopped eating in between meals. Oh. I only eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, when I'm eating breakfast and when I'm eating lunch and eating dinner, I eat. Like, I don't. You know, I don't measure things. I just eat. I just eat what I want to eat. Uh, but then between meals, I don't eat anything. And that was really hard. And it still kind of is kind of hard. Um, but it made a drastic difference in the weight loss. Now, here's what I realized, though. When I'm hungry in between meals, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to trick my body and I'm just going to drink a ton of water. <laughs> because if I drink a ton of water, then maybe my body will think, hmm, delicious sustenance. Mm-hmm. And it'll make it to lunch. But it turns out I am finding that what my body has been craving all this time in between my meals is actually water. Mm. And I drink a ton of water between my meals and I make it to the next meal and I eat and then I just do the same thing to the next one. And it's a perfect cycle. And I don't really feel hungry, but I do feel what I'm thinking is thirst. And this is what I wanted to mention to you is that part of the problem is that I think somehow whether it's me or just maybe everybody, I have a hard time distinguishing between hunger and thirst. Yeah. Um, there's almost like a misfiring of some of the communication in my brain where it's like, unless I'm parched, I don't think I'm thirsty. Hmm. But truly, like my body is maybe a little dehydrated yeah. in between meals and I need to rehydrate. And I, it just gave me, got me to the point where it's like, I think that there are a lot of sensations that I experience that I don't actually have the right name associated to them. So whether it be anxiety, hunger, thirst, or fatigue, those are the four that have been on my mind recently. I'm not exactly sure what each of those things feels like in isolation. Yeah. So am I actually stressed right now, or am I really tired, Mm. or am I actually really hungry, or am I actually really thirsty? And it's really hard because often I will just interpret all of those feelings as hunger. Yeah. I'm stressed. No, no, no. I'm hungry. Yeah. So, so I stress eat a lot. Uh, I'm really tired. No, I'm not. I'm just really sleep hungry. So I'm going to go eat at the, all hours of the night. Uh, I'm really thirsty. No, I'm not. I'm just actually really hungry in between meals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So the point is, I think there's something about like understanding my body better yeah. to where I can no, listen to what, what the sensation is that actually needs a response because I think I've been responding to all of those sensations, including stress with food. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, it, it makes, it makes sense, right? Because we, you and I have been trained in prayer and what do our spiritual directors say to us often? What should Pray. we be doing? Listening, <laughs> praying, listening to God, oh. <laughs> praying, listening oh, to yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And if we're not listening to the way in which the spirit works in our lives, then we're not going to be able to have that conversation. Mm. And so it's, again, one of those similar things where it seems obvious, (laughs) and yet we're so resistant to it. Right. Um, Yeah. So I want to hear from you. I mean, what what is keeping you from losing weight? You need to lose weight, bro. Yeah, I know. Um, well, hold on. Before we get there, <laughs> I'm going to keep putting it off. Uh, <laughs> what? So we're about to start Lent. Yeah. How are we going to, how are you going to fast 
what will that look like? Oh, well, that's a personal question. Uh... Well, no, I mean just a normal. <laughs> not even. No, it's not, not even, a personal question. No, it's a good question. Not even question. like a. So we don't eat meat on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ash Wednesday and Good Friday we don't eat at all. Mm-hmm. So popular practice, <clears throat> excuse me, popular practice is to like eat a lot of beans or potatoes or starchy, carby things. Oh, I get where you're getting at. How am I going to do in Lent without meat? Yes. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Fish. All right. <laughs> Is that is that not a thing? <laughs> I guess. Uh, I'll eat some fish. Um, I've been I've been learning how to cook a lot of salmon recently. A lot of what? Salmon. 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 Mm-hmm. There's an L in it. Salmon. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll do fish. I'll do fish probably. Um, but to answer your question more personally, I I haven't really come up with any resolutions yet for Lent. Um, I usually try to try to take my time on that, but. There is one thing that I have decided to do that I'm not going to say just because it's more personal than anything. Um, but other and it's an it's an addition of prayer yeah. in my life in 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 a particular way. Um, other than that, though, I haven't really thought much about what to give up or anything. Have you? I'm going to do something a little extreme. Okay. So I suck at Facebook. I really don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like looking at it. Okay. People say things that make me upset. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I find it to be a really terrible place to be. Mm-hmm. So you're going to cut it out? Well, I got to thinking, why is it such a terrible place to be? Well, because people are jerks. <laughs> uh, but also, it might be the the fact that maybe the people that I associate with or somehow have become Facebook friends with need some more positive influences. Mm. So I will not be cutting out Facebook. I will, in fact, be practicing on how to do it well. Okay. And to be present. Good. That's nice. So what would that look like concretely? Uh, I'll just try to... No, not concrete enough. Okay. I will be posting... Um, Actually, I'm not going to do this, but this was a funny kind of a... This is actually kind of what gave me the idea. <laughs> I follow a subreddit called Wholesome Memes. Yeah, me too. And I kind of want to just do that. Just mm. make wholesome memes. Make Facebook a wholesome place. You know? Yeah. Take comments and make them make them positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I just find there's a lot of negativity there. That could be. So are you talking about like doing your own posts or like just responding to people in a positive way? Yeah, all of that. You... All of that. Doing my own posts, being more active in conversations with people. Um, yeah, just to try to be a force of good. So are you thinking, I mean, would it not be valuable for you to have like, every day I'm going to post one post and then I'll comment as many posts as I want, but I'll have a new post every day. Yeah, maybe. I just don't want it to be like I don't I don't want to hate it. Like if this is another Moodle post that I have to do. Oh, I'm hate yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it can get to the point where it's like, oh, it's Saturday, it's 8 p.m. I forgot to post today. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, so no, I don't want it to And then you become that. scrupulous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to be a a better presence on Facebook. Mhm. Dude, I like it. That's really good. It's just just Facebook or also Instagram? Well, I'm more active on Instagram. Um, so maybe that's one that I could back off of to temper the... to balance mm. the forces of evil <laughs> in my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, okay, so Lent is about to begin, and maybe we, when next time we talk, we can check in on how... Yeah. I mean, I'll probably have decided by then what I'm going to do. Um there's one prayer thing I'm going to add is going to be it, one thing, but I need to think about some more things to, yeah. uh, to, to make my Lent more intentional. Um, but yeah, let's check in about it next time we talk. Yeah, you know, I, I really like your your fasting, or not your fasting, your, your diet idea. Um, and I'm always, I like the idea of kind of a more harsh fast. So like mm-hmm. last year, I 
gave up meat for the whole for whole, all of Lent instead of just mm-hmm. on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and tried to keep to a more stricter fasting schedule. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll, uh, I mean, this might be a good time for you to, st- I mean, here's always the like perennial, you know, difficulty with Lent is, am I doing this to lose weight or am I doing this for the Lord? Yeah, that's true. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's always one of those yeah. hard things, but like, maybe think about it as like, little column A, little column this B. Is- <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah. And, or you could say like, all right, God, this is not my Lenten observation, but I'm going to take advantage yeah. of yeah. the structure of the 40 days yeah. to start this new diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are the things that I'm actually doing for our relationship yeah. in, you know, in, in, in the season of life. Yeah. I like it. No, that's good. Uh, so, and did you do any new year's resolutions that have, because <laughs> you said you were going to start going back to the gym, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I suck Didn't. at that. <laughs> no. And even, so part of that whole frustration with these weekly posting things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. is I've got two classes on Thursday. And one of those posts is due on Thursday. Mm. And the only night that I have to go to jiu-jitsu, you guessed it, is Thursday. Mm. So the first week that I was actually able here uh, to do it, I didn't... I don't, I, well, I still don't, so I'm, this is one of my um, motivations to really nail down my schedule so i need to do that post before thursday maybe i'll eat on the wednesday okay hold on this is confusing to me so it's due what like eleven fifty nine on thursday night yeah so i could do it afterwards but it's really hard okay <laughs> is it based on the stuff that you covered on thursday uh it's the readings for the whole week so the classes the class is on monday and friday no, uh, Tuesday and Friday. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, you've got readings. Oh, and so you have to post before class on Friday. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, for your own physical health, I think you need to start posting on Wednesday, man. Yep, and I think I will. Yeah, this happened to me last semester with um, one of my classes because we had to post something on Thursday. Uh, we had class Thursday, but we had to post something by noon Wednesday. Yeah. And I found that very frustrating because then that meant that I had to basically treat the class as if it was meeting on Wednesday. Mm. Uh, because otherwise, like, how am I going to come up with something to post if I haven't done all of the reading? Yeah. And the reading is due Thursday. So I normally would just do it Thursday. But I basically had to pretend like I'm meeting that class on Wednesdays. Yeah. Yep. Change the schedule around in your mind. That's right. Well, good. Well... This Lent, you need to set a goal, man. I need to see you dropping weight, man. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll do it. I'll hold, uh, count on you to hold me accountable for that. So I've really been struggling recently with the thought that I'm being a selfish jerk. Um, Please explain. <laughs> so you know this, and I've spoken about it a few times, I think, on the show. I do not like google oh yes i know this and i really don't even like microsoft i use google way more than i use microsoft anyway i got to thinking i I was put on this new committee in the community Mm -hmm. and we were trying to because we were trying to figure out um the best way to communicate and to share documents and things Mm -hmm. um because counting on email we went to this one meeting and I was sitting in my email trying to search for things and pull up multiple things at a time, and it was a mess. Uh, so we need something like Slack, and that's what I suggested mm-hmm. for the committee. But long story short, I started thinking, and Google Docs or Google Drive would probably just be the easiest thing to use. Right. Except for me. <laughs> hmm. um, should I just bite the bullet? And download those billions of apps that they need to do one thing. Um, so this is exactly what this this thing I wrote has to do with. Uh-huh. I wrote the word agnosticism. Yeah. Um, and what I meant to write, but I didn't, just to not give it away, <laughs> was a concept that came up in 
uh, one of the podcasts that you and I both listen to. That's a lot about productivity and it's about, you know, these two guys, one of them is a YouTuber and the other one runs all these podcasts. Um, and they talk a lot about how to be productive. Yeah. And, uh, in it, there was an episode recently. I don't know if you've gotten this far. No. Um, but <laughs> very recently where the one that I think both you and I have more respect for, uh, said something that really sent the other guy off which was awesome to listen to, and you kind of put him in his place. <laughs> and he introduced this concept of tech agnosticism. Uh-huh. And he said, because, so the guy that you and I both like, he said that he had just recently bought a new iMac. And the other guy, that I don't think is all that interesting, <laughs> got really upset because this whole time, for like 40 episodes, they've been talking about the multi-pad li- lifestyle, having multiple iPads, go completely ios like that's all you need and then he felt betrayed when this guy bought an imac he's like how can you go back to mac os i thought we were like (laughs) being pioneers in this ios world and he said you can't you, you have to treat your devices and your apps and your platforms as tools that they're not in control of you that they're yours to use and he called it tech agnosticism he said i'm a tech agnostic Mm. like I use the ones that are to my advantage, or maybe like tech utilitarian might yeah, be a different way yeah, of saying yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but he used the word agnostic mm. in the sense of like, he doesn't really have any devotion to one or the other. Whatever, whichever one is the better one is the one that he's going to go with. So what, what I found really striking about that is that it put me in a position where I had to really evaluate, am I open to anything other than Apple? And the answer is probably no. Um, you know, I'm an Apple theist probably <laughs> um, when it comes to tech. Uh and, it, and I bring this up now because you, I think, are riding on the edge of whether or not you are okay with being a tech agnostic. And I don't think that you are because mm. uh, I know that I'm not either. Um, you know, and another way of saying this is that we might be overly biased towards one one kind of product. Yeah, and I think we are and we need to accept that and acknowledge that. Uh, and there are really good ways to work together. You know, we both we both work with a lot of apps that do that well. But a lot of people don't. <laughs> and for a lot of people, a Google Doc where everybody writes one thing is the best way to work together. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that you need to be able to, and so do I, we both need to be able to say, okay, I can move within multiple platforms because whichever yeah. one is the most useful. Right? Like you and I have both moved to OneDrive because it was the most useful in the moment, even though it's Microsoft. And we both don't like it, but it's very useful. So I can either hate it or I can use it. Yeah. What do you think about this tech agnostic idea? You know, for me, it's not so much that I want to be this purist that I think all those other things are inferior. It's really just the fact that this is the ecosystem that I've bought into and that I know well mm-hmm. and that I, I use very efficient efficiently. Yeah. And so the thought of having no, yeah. to learn two other ecosystems and somehow incorporate them into the current workflow, like, ah. Just don't want yeah, to do that. But it's, yeah, but I mean, you just got to think about like when you're creating, you create within your Apple ecosystem. But when people share things with you, you know, you enculturate and then you move on. Yeah. Like you, you step in and you leave. Like people are often like we have a sign up list for who's going to cook dinner in the house and it's shared by numbers. Uh, not by numbers, sorry. It's shared by sheets. And it's like, okay, I don't like using sheets because I'm trying to move to just all cloud based on Apple. But you know, I can dip into that. I can do the thing and I can leave. Yeah. You know, I don't have to live there. Yeah. And you have the space on your iPad. You can have those apps on Yeah. There. You got to do it, man. Otherwise, people are going to continually think that you are difficult to work with. <laughs> uh, well, let's stop and export and then you can send me the stuff and I'll ignore it for two weeks. <laughs> All right. <laughs>